0: Hello and welcome to these audio excerpts from the West Vic PHN COVID-19 Pandemic Response Project ECHO series. Hello and welcome everyone to West Vic PHN uh, COVID-19 Project ECHO. Uh, It's Thursday the 11th of June. We are three, literally our three months since the pandemic was declared by the WHO and this is session 11 of our um, COVID-19 Project ECHO series. Um, So welcome. Um, I'm going to invite you all to switch your screens on. I know it's early in the morning, but we'd love to see you. How many weeks now in? Well, yeah, as we said, a couple of weeks into lockdown, releasing restrictions, but still many of us still working from home. So it's lovely to have this opportunity to see people's faces. So we are continuing our mental health series this morning by taking a deep deeper dive into the care in the perinatal period. So last week we focused on engaging care within the family system, drawing um, upon learnings from the Aboriginal social-emotional framework, and this time we'll be examining formal services through the perinatal and mental health services. My name's Bianca Forrester, I'm a GP and I'm Zooming in from the traditional lands of the Wathaurong people and I wish to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging and uh, to any Aboriginal people Zooming in with us today. So please, yeah, as I said, turn your videos on and please start introducing yourself in the chat. So those of us you who are new to Project Deco, we love to um, get you to pull open your chat screen. It's a pretty busy... Um, uh, chat screen and just let us know who you are and where you're zooming in from. Thank you very much. So it gives me now pleasure to invite Prada Yorda and Tungurung man Adam Muir, the Aboriginal Project Officer for the West Vic PHN and Bowen Health, to now make the formal acknowledgement to the countries of the West Vic PHN.
1: Uh, so we, uh, Western Victoria Primary Health Network, acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waterways, the Wadawurrung, Gulajan, Garrabanood, Kunti Kuntijamara, Jabrang. Wachabalak, Jajawarong, Jadwajali, Wagaya, Jadwa, and Jabalk peoples. We recognise the diversity, the importance, the resilience, and the ongoing place that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people hold in our communities. We pay our respects to the elders and respected persons, both past and present, and commit to working together in the spirit of mutual understanding and respect for the benefit of the broader community and future generations.
0: Thank you. So thank you and welcome. So uh, now in recovery and restoration phase, we ask the questions about what it means in relation to our overall pandemic strategy response and also into, in regards to our proposed mental health response. How can we in the primary care sector, that is GPs, nurses, maternal child health, uh, allied health, how can we as those first uh, first people people um, encounter when they access health services, play a role in, in providing best practice standards of care for the community whilst, Continuing uh, to maintain appropriate Precautions in our ongoing state of emergency, and with infection control <clears throat> guidance. And so, bringing kicking off our session, we welcome again um, Associate Professor Deb Friedman, our infectious diseases physician, to provide the um, COVID-19 update, but to also introduce, I guess, to help us understand recovery, restoration, priorities, and planning, what this means. And we welcome today panelists from the Ballarat Health Service, from the Mother Baby Unit, Jane Campbell, uh, Rebecca Fankhauser, Lindal Finlayson, uh, to um, present our session's didactic and introduce a case study for discussion um, about how to care for um, women and and, and men families in the perinatal period, um, some barriers to accessing treatment and how to help uh, support engagement.
1: Good morning. Thank you for the introduction, Bianca. Um, I guess the first thing to say is that I think that my role might be quickly becoming redundant as things settle down so significantly. So I'm always happy when... um, when this becomes a non-problem. So where are we at on the 11th of June? So although this wasn't going to be a global update, um, I think one thing that we can say, 7.3 million cases in the world, the big hotspots. um, Last week it was sort of, in, in Europe it was Russia, and it still is. But um, the big increase is many countries in South America, many without the capacity to have widespread testing. But the cases that they are reporting are still extremely high numbers. So South America is definitely the hot spot of this week, um, and over 400,000 deaths worldwide. In Australia, very, very good news still. Um, under 7,300 cases and we haven't budged from 102 deaths. And I think everybody, I can't remember if I mentioned it last week, but the death of the 30-year-old gentleman in Queensland was later proven to not be due to COVID-19. So that number was taken off. It was 103. Now we're back to 102. Um, In Victoria, we've got um, just under 1,700 cases and 10.5% of them have an unknown source. That's the number we're watching. Fortunately it is stable, indicating still very limited community transmission and as that number has not increased significantly that remains good news. There are no local increases within Western Victoria. There's been no jump in cases since schools returned or since the initial relaxing of restrictions when people could have First of all, five people in their home, subsequently more than that. We haven't seen a spike since then. There's an ongoing Victorian surveillance strategy which targets both specific populations and specific geographic locations. And they've kind of targeted these areas based on whether or not there's been low testing or whether there's been higher rates of infection. The hotspots that have been announced on Monday um the hotspots are the local government areas of moorland and hume which is where the areas of faulkner um and surrounding suburbs are this um newest surveillance strategy will go from june until about the third week of august at this stage more locally we will continue with testing in torquay for at least the next three weeks and i guess that will take us beyond the, hopefully the end of the state of emergency for Victoria. Um, I've heard an announcement certainly at, at our centre that temperature checks at the front door of the hospital may cease within about two to three weeks. We're waiting more advice on that. Obviously, there might be a directive from the department on that and then other hospitals and other locations might make their own decisions about what to do with temperature checks. We've had an issue with regards to testing of young children under the age of five. When we closed our acute respiratory assessment clinic in Geelong on Friday, um, that was the location that was doing young children. And our Barwon Health North location was swabbing young children when they had medical staff there. They're now a nurse-led clinic. We're trying to resolve this issue. I know that there's been some engagement with Cardinia Health to discuss whether or not they could pick up testing of under fives during the week, but we still need to come to a resolution of this issue and I don't have one at the current time. Um, There was a forum held yesterday about the disability sector and I wait to hear about what the strategy might be in that sector. Um, There's also, we're awaiting um, some new Department of Health guidelines on the return to work for some vulnerable staff members, whether they be healthcare workers or others, that's not yet been released. And so we're still working on restoration across all sectors, whether it be acute care or other community sectors. And I guess... The, what is the priority? The priority is really return to business as usual with a few specific differences. The major differences are the, the spacing between people and the cleaning between patients. But I think the focus is very much certainly within healthcare to try and return to care as usual. That's all I have in the update today, and I'll be happy to take questions later.
0: Thanks, Bianca. And so now um, it gives me pleasure to hand across to, um, to Jane Campbell. Rebecca Fankhauser and Lyndall Finlayson, um, if you could introduce yourselves. Um, but from the Ballarat our Mother and Baby Unit, um, thank you. Yeah.
2: Oh, I had said hello, everyone.
0: Um, first, I'd like
2: to thank you for the opportunity to introduce ourselves and for um, the uh, yeah, opportunity to present more about our perinatal mental health services. So I'm Jane Campbell. I'm the Nurse Unit Manager of the uh, inpatient services and the manager of the perinatal community mental health team.
0: Um, hi guys, I'm Lyndell. I'm a Psychiatric Clinical Nurse Specialist here at Mother and Family Unit. Um, and hello, I'm Rebecca
2: Fankhouser and I'm also a clinical nurse specialist and I've been lucky enough to be here since the unit opened in 2015, so mm-hmm. very lucky. Yes, very lucky to have you. Okay, well, um, I'm just going to uh, go through some information that we've prepared um, just to give a a context around um, perinatal mental health, um, its prevalence and more information about what we do. Um, so, So in terms of perinatal mental health, there's around one in five women who will experience anxiety and or depression in the perinatal period. And the perinatal period is from conception until the infant is 12 months of age. And that uh, fits within the eligibility criteria for access to our services. About one in 20 dads experience anxiety and depression in the antenatal period. And one in 10 dads experience postnatal depression. Um, And we understand that perhaps there's an increased... Number of dads experiencing postnatal anxiety and depression should their partner um, also be experiencing um, a mental health issue within the perinatal period. Up to one in 600 mothers will experience postnatal psychosis and that is this is considered a psychiatric emergency. <clears throat> and that's some of the data that we have from Panda uh, in 2019.
0: Sorry to interrupt, you. Yep. I'm just not seeing slides. Is anyone else... Have you um, selected screen share at centre-bottom in green? We're great nurses, Uh, but terrible at technology. (laughs) We're all (laughs) learning. uh, I mean, that's the lovely thing about the pandemic, is that we're all learning. And how accessible is this to be (laughs) sitting here here, and and listening to you? you. Just wonderful. Not a problem. Here we go. That's great. I can share
2: what's on my end. Is yeah, that's you great. I have to say? Great. Yeah,
0: um, yeah so we're, at the moment we're just seeing it in kind of not in presenter mode. I think that there's not many animations, so I mean that's fine. Otherwise, okay, sure. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you.
2: Okey doke. Um, in terms of some of the risk factors for uh, perinatal mental illness, we understand that a family or personal history of anxiety and depression, uh, a traumatic birth experience, or what we term birth disappointment. So when a, a birth experience hasn't gone according to the plans or wishes of the mother, relationship difficulties, the prevalence of family violence, uh, stressful life events, um, which impact on what is a major transition in a person's life into parenthood, a troubled pregnancy, fertility issues or previous pregnancy loss, Uh, a past history of abuse, lack of social support, both practical and emotional, Um, financial difficulties, poor attachment with um, your own mother or parents and having a perfectionistic personality also increases um, the risks. Uh, and, and I must say actually just in terms of some of those risk factors there will be in terms of the, um, the prevalence of COVID that some of those risk factors will be heightened at this time particularly around um, the perinatal anxiety and um, concerns around financial instability um, and role changes that are occurring with some of the impact of um, people's changes to employment. Um, And also multi-parity with children being homeschooled and things like that with newborn babies. Um, So we've got some data from Panda as the next slide, which is um, around some data that they collected with phone calls Um, and uh, where am I? So with the, okay, so yeah, in terms of like callers who have told about um, how they've been feeling, state by state, um, this indicates that around 2% of mums will talk about their, um, any perinatal issues, mental health issues with their midwife. Approximately 15% said that they had discussed Um, how they were feeling with their GP, and around 8% with the uh, maternal child health nurse. Um, And there was some variation state by state. um, But, yeah, good that with um, with Victoria there was around um, 8%, which was around double with maternal child health nurses. Um, We've talked about some of the barriers to treatment. um, And some of the barriers for the catchment that we have for Ballarat Health Services are, particularly important when we look at things like geographical isolation and access to public transport and um, the the vastness of um, the catchment that we have. So we've said that a lack of knowledge about perinatal mental health and the ability to recognise symptoms. um, And we are a service that um, we are able to accept referrals from the person themselves. the more that someone has the capacity to identify with changes that are happening in their mental health in the perinatal period, um, the better it is that they can come forward you know, asking for help. Um, perceived lack of available support, um, feelings of guilt and shame. And we understand that um, there are many mixed emotions around becoming a parent, uh, but guilt and shame can be various in terms of people describing that what they had envisaged their experience of parenthood to be isn't as they had imagined. Fear of stigma, um, practical issues, and some of those which we identify are around um, care of other children um, and the ability to link in, and and particularly around having an admission, um, if there's concerns around um, the care of other other children or um, separation anxiety. Uh, Geographical location, we have You know, families who live quite a distance from um, where we are here in Ballarat. Not an issue so much with the community support, but it um, can be an impediment for people coming into Ballarat for admission. Um, uh, Dads, and and I guess their availability if they're um, away with work or um, making their own adjustments to parenthood. The cost of services. uh, Fortunately, our services are free. Um, but cost of services can be um, an impediment. Uh, We also don't require a mental health care plan for people to access our service, either community or inpatient. Uh, Lack of specialist service availability and lack of clear referral pathways. And one of the things that we're really hoping to address today are just some clarifications around our pathways for referral so that people feel confident that when it comes to ringing um, to... Uh, make a referral, that that it's it's as seamless as it can possibly be. Um, We'll talk a little bit about screening. Um, So we've got some data here from COPE, um, who are the Centre of Perinatal Excellence. They actually have a fantastic website and they're a wonderful resource um, for uh, um, perinatal-related issues. So what COPE recommend uh, is to complete the first antenatal screening as early as practical in pregnancy and repeat the screening at least once later in pregnancy. Uh, to complete the first postnatal screening six to 12 weeks after birth. And, and we do know that um, sometimes a screening at six weeks won't identify like those um, perinatal mental health issues haven't necessarily emerged yet, um, but often by 12 weeks the prevalence is greater. Um, The EDPS score guidelines, um, so arrange a further assessment for women who score um, uh, uh, 13 or higher. Um, Repeat the screening again in two to four weeks for a score which is between 10 and 12. And for a woman with a positive score to question 10, uh, which is the question around have you had any thoughts of um, harm to yourself? Um, undertake or arrange immediate further assessment. And if there's any disclosure of suicidal uh, thoughts or plan, take urgent action in accordance with local protocol and policy. Um, Okay, so with with regard to screening for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, um, I think you can read the screen, sorry, screen there. all right, so this is again um, taken from the COPE Practical, Clinical Practice Guideline 2010, um, and it references that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women, EDPS scores um, may be influenced by factors such as understanding the language used, mistrust of mainstream services, or fear of consequences of depression being identified. Um, translations of the EDPS developed in consultation with women from Aboriginal communities have been found to identify a slightly high number of women experiencing symptoms of depression. Um, a recent adaption of the EDPS assessed in the Kimberley includes an additional component of psychosocial assessment, acknowledging the contribution that stressful events and social health issues play in maternal mental health. Many elements of the approach taken to adapting this instrument, um, i.e. the way in which questions are asked, implementation by Aboriginal health workers, are likely to have broader relevance to urban as well as remote and regional Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. We've just got a um, I'll just flick down apologies to the screen um, which has got the example of the um, comparison of the Edinburgh depression screen and the KMMS um, and very similarly to Some of the surveys that we have um, requesting feedback from people, we also use um, rating scales and pictures for people to indicate how they're feeling, to indicate their emotions. Um, So, yeah, from question one down to ten. So it's the same, the the questions are the same, there's just an adaption of those questions.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, oh, I think, uh, sorry to interrupt while you're scrolling back, Jane, we've sent out yeah. this as part of a link from last week's email. If people would like to spend a bit more time looking at it. And, yes. uh, you know, I know I started, I actually did the K-5 on a few of my patients last week just to play around with how the wording is. And, uh, yes. in fact, I think I actually kind of in some ways enjoyed the wording of the K-5. So it would be interesting to try out the um, the KMMS. Of course, it's, you know, something that's a tool that's been validated for kids. Yes. And, of course, that they do request that we receive training and, um, you know, before using this tool. But it's yes. really it's that point of reflection of how we can use language and... Yes. So thank you for sharing that so our participants can see just the, what some of the differences in wording might be and um, get a little bit of a sense of why. And we'll come back and have a bit more of a reflection on this um, you know, with, um, with the guidance of Muir um, at the end. So thanks for that, yeah. No
2: worries, thank you. Um, our next slide uh, relates to tips for engaging with parents. Um, so research has found that women who are not asked about their emotional health in the antenatal period are much less likely to seek formal care. And the thing behind, thinking behind that is it's, it's around normalising some of those questions around your emotional health um, when there's a large focus um, at that time around what you're experiencing physically and the growth and development of the baby. Um, but yes, but research would suggest that um, if someone's asked about their emotional health, it begins to um, become part of the psyche. Um, asking parents how they are coping with the demands of parenthood. So around those practical demands. Explaining your role in managing mental health condition. Uh, Many parents may be unaware that they're able to speak um, with their healthcare professional about their concerns. Uh, Providing information and resources, such as fact sheets from Panda and some parents who may know very little about mental health issues in the perinatal period, and in fact may know very little about mental health um, issues if they haven't actually experienced Um, any mental health issues outside of the perinatal period can be quite a um, confusing and challenging uh, very foreign sort of experience. Um, Offering a kind and a non-judgmental approach like we certainly value very much the establishment of um, a good rapport and uh, trust with people. We know that um, that's the the quality of relationship that someone has with their provider. that has a significant um, impact on the quality of um, relationship and then um, the treatment and prognosis for someone. Uh, Be aware that some parents will present with a mask of coping and fear of judgement. So we'll often hear mums say, well, look, I said that I was doing okay because I was concerned about what would happen if I said I wasn't. Um, Watch out for minimisation. So... um, Look, I'm sure I'll be fine or I'm sure it's natural to be stressed or I'm sure it's natural to be exhausted and only getting an hour's 45 minutes sleep in any stretch of time.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Be aware that reassurance alone can leave some parents feeling invalidated. So asking questions which explore uh, things further and offer um, support options can be really important. And in another slide, we will get down to um, an acronym um, around something to, as a take-home message, which simplifies it, I hope. Um, so some of the helpful statements and questions we would suggest um, are, it's a big change, becoming a parent. How are things going for you? Um, I can see that you're struggling. Uh, it can be hard to talk about and there's an um, expectation that you should feel 100% happy. Um, it's great that your baby is okay, but parents need to be okay too. Can we talk about what's difficult right now, Um, for example, sleep deprivation, exhaustion, fear or um, feelings of being overwhelmed, loneliness um, and big feelings after the birth. So working through your birth experience and explore some options uh, for support and and we will find that um, often something which is more tangible will be the beginning of your connection with someone. A mum will feel um, that it's quite normal to talk about sleep deprivation and exhaustion and some anxiety, and that often becomes the gateway for us to um, talk about things which are uh, more complex. Um, Sure, we can talk about breastfeeding, but I'm wondering, um, you've been working so hard on this and many women find the process difficult emotionally. How is it for you? So, again, normalising that breastfeeding is actually very hard work and it can take... um, quite some time to establish and we do have people like our lactation consultants that can provide some expert assessment and support. Um, And lastly, it can be tough when pregnancy makes you feel so unwell, how are you managing? Um, So the little acronym that that Beck came up with, uh, she's the creator of this, is let's help these parents to be seen. So the acronym um, SEEN stands for, so SCREEN, number one, Screen, by offering, screen um, by offering screening tools, ask the parent about their experience and any challenges that they've faced. So in, in providing people with a screening tool, it actually begins to have a point of comparison where someone can actually begin to measure their own progress and their um, recovery in terms of improvement in their mental health when you've got different um, screens completed at different times of their um, parenting. Explore, explore resources further to gain a better understanding. Listen in a non judgmental way. Um, explain, explain your role in mental health support. And a lot of that is around us demystifying what it means to receive um, uh, mental health support and to participate in your recovery. Um, and that primary mental health concerns are experienced, um, sorry, perinatal mental health concerns are experienced by many people. Um, and provide information leaflets. So again, we've got some excellent resources um, that we can share. And in terms of next steps, um, if the um, parent requires additional support, what happens next? And which may include relevant specialist services? So one of the things that we're um, very fortunate is to have um, a real wealth of um, specialist perinatal um, and family agencies that can provide individualised support depending on the, the family's need. So often it can be around referrals and linking into those special services.
0: So that concludes our formal panel didactic. We then moved into case discussion and orientation to uh, relevant perinatal supports and services throughout the West Vic PHN. Please check health pathways as always for localised pathways and um, perinatal mental health guidelines. Thanks for joining us and please join us again next week as we move through the life course and consider the needs of teens during the COVID-19 pandemic response and everything that comes after. Thanks for joining us and hope to see you next week.